Hello and welcome to the Unpretty Podcast. I'm Basma and this is Chi. We want to explore the world of beauty through the experiences and stories of people of colour. In each episode, we will unpack different themes and topics, along with the help of some friends, experts and people we just really love. We've got lots to say, lots to learn and we're here to do that with you. So let's get to it. Basma, hello. Hi, how are you? I am good, how are you? Good, yeah, good. Still living this um, lockdown life that we're still in. Still here. Right. <laughs> still here. Yeah. So the nail salons and the hair salons mm. are open. Mm. What are you going to do first? Uh, I mean, I haven't got anything booked, but I think that I need to just, I need to take out these braids and mm. I need to get my hair cut, which is very different to what I said I was going to do on the Jade episode. So. Oh yeah. What did you say you were going to do again? Eyelashes? What were you doing? Yeah, my lashes. Oh, lashes yeah. or brows. You're not doing either of those. No. It's, it's a state of emergency now. <laughs> so true I feel like I I'm gonna lay off and not do anything I don't want to I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to the all natural for a while and see what happens oh yeah. good for you yeah, I'm also enjoying not spending the money I don't yeah. I don't want to part with 30 quid really wanna yeah yeah so getting into this week's episode is quite nice because me and you sort of had a conversation about food and what food and our diets and nutrition means to us you are pescatarian you don't eat meat I do eat meat um, but I'm very conscious pretty much every single day about what I put into my body and try and stay as you know plant and healthy as possible and you live on a diet of crisps so. <laughs> I mean so, don't shame me but yeah true. 70% crisp yeah you're just like you are literally a walking talking crisp in fact, today I've got a pile of prawn cocktail Pringles have right you, in front of me right have now. Have you eaten anything else today? Or Chris? I had pancakes for breakfast. Okay. okay. <laughs> the beige diet, huh? Well, in this week's episode, it was quite nice to be able to talk about the fact that food is such an important part of our cultures, whether it's Nigerian or Sudanese or everything in between. Whether you take food out of your diet or certain things or when you try and change things in your diet how that doesn't only affect your relationship with people within the culture, your relationship with food, but also what food kind of does to your body inside and out, right? Yeah, you know, gut health is super, super important. But also just talking about what it means to change your diet within your culture. Like I remember when I stopped eating meat, my entire family just didn't understand. And it got (laughs) to a point, I went to Nigeria with my mum and my auntie who we were staying with for breakfast lunch and dinner she served me up fish because you know, uh, I thought well, I was dying. yeah well, you thought you were dying <laughs> I actually would never give up meat because I don't know what my mum would do like I just feel like it's just too hard it's just too in my life right now lazy but true so but yeah, I've laid off the chicken but I think that yeah I don't know fish is expensive in this. it is expensive but then it also means that you don't like, I mean, as we said, I mainly eat crisps. Yeah, you do um, <laughs> Crisps are cheap. Yeah. But I also eat, veg- I say, vegetables. I eat a lot of vegetables, the same vegetables, mainly broccoli and sweet corn. But um, <laughs> they're a big part That's of my diet too. a good too. episode for you to find out what you should be eating and what's good for you and maybe what's not. Yeah. Let's get to it. So we've got two guests here to talk about how they change their diets and also what we should be eating to have great skin. So on today's episode, we have Yasmin Evans. Yasmin is the host of BBC Radio 1 Extra for the last eight years and is currently presents the weekday's 1 to 4 p.m. show, aka Good Times Radio, which 
it actually really is a good time. Every single time I listen to it, I'm like, this is a really good time. <laughs> She's presented on numerous red carpet events, such as the Brits, and has fronted a range of BBC events, and has presented the Saturday Night Mashup on CBBC for 2.5 years. Yasmin has also most recently starred in the brutal Celebrity SIS Who Dares Wind, which also I'm obsessed with. So just in generally obsessed with Yasmin. <laughs> and also joining us, we have Linnea Patel. Linnea is an expert dietitian and nutritionist. She is passionate about helping people to get the most out of their body by understanding the impact their diet has on their health and blends the latest scientific research with the needs of the individual. And her area of speciality is female health. And we're all females here. Hey, girls. Hey. Hi. Thanks for coming. Coming virtually. <laughs> yeah, for having us. So we've already introduced you both, but one thing that we like to ask all of our guests, because it's a very interesting thing to hear from people themselves, is how you identify or how you define your ethnicity. If you are filling out a form without the restrictions of the four tick boxes, what would you say you are? I use she pronouns. I relate to being a female and say she. And I would say that I am a mixed black woman. My father is black and my mother's white. And yeah, that's how I how I see myself. And I would say I'm an Afro-Asian princess. So my mother is black. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> She's Zambian and my dad is Indian. So product mm. of uh, forbidden love, but mm. very, very special. Yeah, a special mix. Wow. So we do want to talk a lot about nutrition. It's kind of amazing to have a professional dietitian and nutritionist. And we just wanted to find out from you, Linnea, it was funny when we were looking for dietitians to talk to, there is actually only a handful of high profile dietitians and nutritionists of colour. Yeah. Have you found this as well? And why do you think that is? Yeah, unfortunately, that is the case. And I think the reason for that is probably twofold. Um, in terms of science, science, I think even women in science, it's not necessarily something that women tend to choose. And I think even less so if you're a woman of color, um, you tend to choose science and go that way. So it's something that's very much on our radar now, especially as dietitians. And um, we look actively looking to try and encourage people um, in schools to try take science and to actually look beyond maybe if you like science, you think I have to be a doctor, but actually there's so many other things and like nutrition is a fascinating area where we're trying to encourage more people, particularly um, women of color to choose that. Why did you choose nutrition? Well, I did the long way. I kind of, I studied uh, biochemistry and physiology first, actually because I wanted to do medicine and I trained in South Africa actually, and being Zambian, yeah. I couldn't study medicine in South Africa, just this some funny laws with that so after my BSc I then decided okay I'm definitely not wanting to do medicine but I want to do something in healthcare and then I did a lot of shadowing actually I spent a summer shadowing different health professionals and I remember shadowing a dietitian working in the Red Cross and shadowing a dietitian working in sport and coming home both those days just feeling like I found my thing it's funny I've always been interested in kind of health in food but you don't necessarily think that you can marry your passions with your career. So I feel very fortunate that I've been able to do that. So I love science. I love eating. I like cooking. Um, I love food. And that's my job now. Lucky me. 
I love wow. when women are like, I love science. I wish I could say I love science. <laughs> <laughs> you could love science, Baz. Maybe your teacher yeah. just wasn't right. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'd love to hear about both of your food journeys. What kind of food did you eat throughout your childhood? I was quite lucky. I, I grew up with just my mum bringing me up, but I was really close to my dad's mother. Although my mum brought me up as a single parent and I never really had a great relationship with my father. I have an amazing relationship with that side of my family. You know, his sister is my mum's best friend. Oh, his amazing. his mum took my mum in and would always call her her daughter. So I was really lucky in that um, my gran who is Jamaican, she was forever in the kitchen and in fact she just slept in the kitchen like she had her own chair she'd sleep wake up cook nap like everything was in the kitchen and she hardly went to bed and my mum also was has always been in the kitchen she's a great cook my mum made it a really important part of my upbringing to make sure that I was aware of my heritage in terms of you know my my West Indian background so I was forever just lingering around the kitchen so I grew up on a lot of different foods but predominantly I'd go to my dad's side of the family it was rice and peas and chicken and white rice with homemade coleslaw and I could honestly all my family will say what did Yasmin eat as a kid and they would just say plantain that plantain I don't blame you my my (laughs) everyone says I'm not I don't don't know why how Yasmin's not turned yellow like (laughs) you cut me open that plantain's gonna fall out so uh, a lot of fried food but gorgeous flavors and just great food and and great upbringing and my mum also learned how to cook through many different things she just loves food but she learned how to cook rice and peas and things like that through my, my dad's family and so that my Sunday dinner is not like the traditional English Sunday dinner. In fact, the only thing I probably take of it is a, is a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> Yorkshire pudding with a side of plantain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great. Um, like when my mum my mum goes like, oh, we're just gonna have like a regular prior to me being vegan. I'd be like, nah, not really interested in that. And she's <laughs> like, can you put some rice and peas in it? She's like, really? Yes, mother, please. Um, <laughs> My mum honestly just cooks anything, anything she'll try it. You know, her homemade sticky toffee pudding, her fish and chips are amazing. And and I think only now that I've turned vegan has she then had to like change. And yeah, yeah she's kind of like, right. thrown off like, whoa, I was, I'm really good at cooking. I don't know really know where to go with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always like cooking is actually for me, my therapy, like it's my self care. And um, I saw becoming a vegan as a, a new challenge. It didn't it didn't daunt me, although there's definitely some of the early recipes that I would never, ever repeat or cook for anyone. <laughs> um, some really awful, like, watery curry chickpeas. They weren't even curry chickpeas. Oh. I don't know what they were. It's like a chickpea soup. Um, so I, I couldn't really be specific on the food that I got brought up, but everything was seasoned, just know that. <laughs> For someone that I'd never met before, when we were like talking about you and like having this episode, I was like, I wonder how long it'll take before she says plantain or plantain. That's her thing. I know this from her Instagram. That's her thing. Oh, do you know the amount of the amount of Instagram messages I get or people tagging me like? If it's a plantain t-shirt or something that says plantain in it, or it's like a picture of a plantain, they're like, 
thinking of you. And I don't even know the person. <laughs> I, I talk about it obviously way too much. <laughs> it's good. It's it good. is good. It's so good. Actually, Lydia, as well, from you coming from a dual heritage, it'd be really interesting to know your food journey. So yeah. what did you eat? Well, I mean, our table was always a mix. So on one side of the table would be traditional Zambian foods. In Zambia, we eat what we call in shima, which is like maize-based. Uh, I think in Southern Africa, a lot of the countries eat maize. It's like, uh, I think, probably like in terms of European food, it's like polenta, but with, with white maize. Okay. Um, oh. And then you eat that with lots of different stews. The other end of the table is my dad, who was Hindu-Indian, so didn't eat much wow. meat and everything had to be curried but we lived in like the middle of nowhere in Zambia so he didn't get the I suppose the vegetables that he would have traditionally found so we would have like Zambian vegetables that you would find which are very green and leafy curried wow. <laughs> so, and then I guess for me a big influence was my mum always had a restaurant growing up and it was a mixed oh. restaurant of Indian and Zambian food so oh, wow. literally at the cool. age of four, I was like folding, rolling samosas and frying samosas. Oh. So I've always kind oh. of grown up with food, with cooking food, preparing food and having lots of people around a table, making noise and eating good food. So like you, Yasmin, I love, love cooking. It's super relaxing for me as well. And I love feeding people and seeing the joy people get from eating good food, especially oh, if it's yes. good, nutritious food. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> to how you became a nutritionist because it was always kind of in your blood huh well maybe and what's ironic though is probably um my mum I mean she had kind of like a takeaway in a restaurant and the takeaway is everything in Zambian food everything super fried super sweet mm. so my great-grandmother was known to kind of drink coca-cola and say it needed more sugar so like <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So actually, uh, I kind of teased my mom saying that because she fried everything and we grew up eating actually quite fast, well, some of the food, fast food, is why I became a, a dietitian to try. <laughs> yeah. And how about your skin? Let's talk about, you know, teenage skin woes. Did anyone have acne? Did anyone have eczema? I've had it. Oh, the reason why I went vegan is after just being overwhelmed, stressed, and I just reached a point of being like 27, 28, and I'd, I've always suffered from eczema. And it got worse as I got older. And, uh, you know, the doctor said, oh, by the time she's 12, it'll go away. And mm. I've yeah. used steroid creams. Yeah. I've had Chinese medicine. Um, because my mum, my mum was very, you know, we're a family of like, we don't, we, we like to have nutrition and we don't like to take tablets and, and things like that. Anything that is just going to numb the pain rather than, you know, actually take it away. It's like, and then I've that my dad's side of the family, a lot of Rastafarians and things like that. So it's a mixture of different things. I think so many different, like, um, top tips of how to deal with eczema when really probably it was just all down to my diet. Um, so I've tried everything and um, I still suffer from eczema now. It's a, a whole lot better, but my skin would bleed. I had mm. water blisters on my hands as a kid. So I couldn't play in the sandpit. And that's like a childhood memory. You know, you just like, oh, one thing and I just remember like, oh. <laughs> I just wanted to play in the sandpit. Um, oh. <laughs> I have really suffered with eczema up until well now still currently is a whole lot better and I'm combating it I think at the moment my skin's probably going through 
um, the withdrawal of the steroid cream. So I've gone through TSW, like it's been a lot for me. And then about three years ago, I had a, about a year and a half of cystic adult acne, oh. really severely bad on my face and on my back. That was probably about a year into me becoming vegan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've, I've, I've suffered. Bless. <laughs> I, I have, and, and it just—it really did just get to a point where I, I'm quite a confident person. I, I've never really suffered with, you know, my self-esteem. I'm so grateful that I was brought up to just be a, a strong woman. Um, mm. But it got to a point where I started to feel really down, and I just sort of saw eczema as it's—you know—you can't die from it. So it's not—I never really saw it as a condition. So I'd never moan about it or think that it was a big deal until I was like I just didn't feel like myself I couldn't look at myself I'd look down at my skin and obviously in my career being on camera and it was when I started Saturday mashup I just I remember like asking the team to like edit my arms and my skin I was just like this is just not me so I'm still on my journey and I can see that it's sometimes stress you know weather and things like that but um as soon as I took control of my body by knowing exactly what to put into it it just changed my life completely changed my life I could preach about it but I'm not going to (laughs) (laughs) go that way anyway so it's fine (laughs) I feel like the eczema thing is so interesting because I when I was born I had brutal eczema to the point where I was just like as a baby wrapped up in like the linen to sort of prevent me from scratching myself yeah. to death no I, I was so bad and I like actually honestly from zero to one and a half I was really ugly because I was just like boils and rashes <laughs> and grossness. Oh, no it blossomed it, it went away and you know I didn't have it anymore but now I just get eczema like weirdly really bad eczema on my knuckles and yeah, in the, in the obviously like in your elbows and stuff. Um, yeah, in the creases, in the creases. Yeah. So it's, but it's interesting because I think like my brother has always had really horrific eczema, and when we were having this conversation. We did wonder if eczema was a uh, black and Asian thing, or is it an is it a genetic thing? Is it a cultural thing? Like, where does eczema really come from? Mm, my whole family has it. My whole entire family. There's not one of us that doesn't suffer on my dad's side my brother has suffered with kind of eczema and allergies far more than me I felt like I was quite lucky in my childhood but definitely as I've gotten older I've probably struggled more with my skin probably due to the fact that um, you know you have external factors and, and and kind of internal factors and the external factors like stress Yasmin you mentioned that pollution um, mm. things like that have a real impact on your skin. So I think probably l- later on in my life, I've had maybe eczema is definitely something that for me, I have to really maintain. And I, I'll talk a little bit more about that in terms of nutrition, what the big things in helping that are. Um, that's really interesting that you said that about getting older, because that's the same with me. I developed eczema three or four years ago, and it was it was probably during the most stressful period of my life. But it's also, as you said, down to the external things. We were wondering, obviously, 
the studies that show that eczema and psoriasis are quite prolific in black and Asian communities. Is it down to genetics? Is it down to diet? Or we also wondered whether it's something that actually back in our home native countries, does eczema and psoriasis exist? Is it just something that we face being in the Western climates? Oh, really good question. Probably what I'd say is when you're looking at skin in general, you you have to think of, okay, there's things that are going to have in, your intrinsic factors that where your genetics plays a role that you can't necessarily change. And there is a link uh, there between ethnicity and getting things like um, eczema and psoriasis. But I think the more important one, which plays a bigger role, is the extrinsic factors. So those are things like sun, pollution, stress, smoking, and diet. And then also to add on to that, because we're four women talking here as hormones. So as our hormones change, that also has an impact in terms of, you know, how much estrogen we've got, how much testosterone and how that has an impact on, you know, our skin as well. So I think there's so many different factors there. And I think if you look at it from like a biochemical point of view, eczema and psoriasis are inflammatory conditions. So inflammation happens, particularly when you tend to have a more Western diet. So, you know, Yasmin has talked about the fact that since becoming a vegan, that has had a massive impact on her skin. So one would argue perhaps before maybe she was eating more refined carbohydrates and um, more things that have bad fats, as it were, and inverted commas, sugar as well, more alcohol perhaps even. Those are the things that increase your risk of inflammation. Whereas eating foods that are more plant-based foods, more fiber, more colorful foods and fruit and vegetables, antioxidants, that actually decreases inflammation so i think it is to do with diet and and it's not really specific foods when you look at the research it's more about patterns of eating so yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely i agree with that what is your guys's view on milk we all have a really funny relationship with lactose i personally (laughs) i gotta stay at home if i'm gonna do that i gotta like be at home for (laughs) it's not a good time what do you guys drink milk? Well, I don't because I'm vegan, and this yeah, is this is this is a great argument that me and my mum have often because she gets her milk from a local farm. Mm. I I stopped eating dairy before I became vegan. There is a a whole lot of IBS and and Crohn's actually on my dad's side of the family, and okay. from being little, I've always known that dairy is just gonna as a phrase, run my belly. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, just it, it's like, even from, from my auntie, from my grandma, like, it was always like, if you're going to eat all this cheese, just know that it's going to mess your stomach up, but still you'd probably eat the cheese. So that my, yeah. my dad's side of the family have all these issues that they're like, yeah, but why would I not eat cheese? So that's, that's, <laughs> that's their attitude. Yeah, my body cannot take it whatsoever. I mean, I don't really do but I'll be honest I, I still like a bit of cheese and I do eat cake but whenever I do go hard on say I buy a block of parmesan and I decide I'm gonna have loads of pasta one week my eczema literally goes crazy like my skin starts blistering I'm just looking at my trouble areas now because I did I have had um three portions of pasta this week with 
Parmesan on top. My tummy is not as bad, but it comes out in my skin. Can I interject from a science point of view? Yeah. Um, so if we, genetically, people of color don't have as much of an enzyme called lactase, which digests the sugar, which is lactose, which is found in dairy products. Um. But interestingly, is that, for example, in my own diet, I eat dairy, but it tends to be fermented dairy. So things like yogurt or kefir. And actually, if I look at traditional Indian diet or even a traditional Zambian diet, they do have dairy, but it all tends to be fermented. And what happens in the right. fermenting process is the lactose, as bacteria already in the foods that has, has broken down that sugar that a lot of us can't actually digest. So actually, we should be okay with uh, having things like yogurt yeah. or having things like kefir. But if we drink milk, then it might get worse. And things mm -hmm. like cheese have a lower percentage of lactose than something like milk. So you should, again, be okay with cheese or fermented food more than you should be with, like, milk. Right. Um, so yeah but then obviously if you find that you are maybe you still do have a running tummy after something that is quite cheesy then it might be that you perhaps are intolerant to the milk protein rather than the milk sugar okay um, oh. and I think as a dietitian I'll probably say for me um if you take a food group, obviously dairy comes with lots of calcium, in fact, the most absorbable type of calcium, which is good for bone health, etc. So if we're taking a big food group out because we think it doesn't agree with us, we have to be very, very conscious about replacing it with another food that adds that nutrient so you then don't yeah. end up becoming nutrient deficient. Yeah. For me, I'm fine with if you take things out, but make sure you're adding something in to make sure you get that balance. Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately now, even when with vegan diets, you know, you've got all all the alternative milks, great. But did you know that the calcium in those milks doesn't like getting absorbed? So the absorption in things Hi. like soya milk or almond milk is not mm -hmm. as good. So you have to really look at getting, a, this is the, the most important thing about vegan diet is variety, a varied, a very, very diet. So making sure you're not always eating the same thing because you need that variety to make sure you're getting in all the nutrients. Absolutely. Oh, so interesting. I feel like I just learned loads so there. There you go. <laughs> so good. Good point because, like, I'll have depending on the yogurt, it will sometimes go down okay, and depending on the ice cream, it'll go down okay. But if I like have ice, like, ice cream's not fermented. Love it. <laughs> what are we selectively so hearing? That's yeah. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> There we go. There we go. <laughs> Before I was vegan, I, I didn't eat a lot of nuts. And when I spoke to someone about it, they said, you know, because I really lacked a lot of things in my diet, which then made my body possibly react to things that I'm just not intolerant to because yeah. it, just, it was a lot of imbalance. I, I believe that I was allergic to apples. Um, cause I can't eat apples without my mouth sort of like coming up in a rash. Ooh. Um, but, but yeah. I'm not allergic to apples or, nor intolerant, but I think it's probably, I lacked something else for not eating some, I don't, I don't know, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure you can tell me and explain to me why. <laughs> um, so does, will my body change now? Like so all the things that I was probably intolerant to then because of my diet after doing almost, you know, over three years of being vegan. 
am I intolerant to different things now? Yeah, well, I think you, you, good good point. And I think the, the difference between an intolerance and allergy is important to understand. So an allergy is life-threatening. Um, so, for example, if someone is allergic to nuts, um, that can oh, actually yeah. result in an anaphylactic shock. Whereas an intolerance means that you're not able to tolerate a certain amount. And for example, this is where I cue in something like irritable bowel, which is something that a lot of particularly women um, are experiencing, which is stress related, you know, so and that decreases your tolerance of certain foods, sometimes even very healthy foods. Um, so, for example, you might find when you're in London, you can't have a place of plate of pasta. But when you're on holiday in Italy in the sunshine with a beautiful view, you eat the pasta and it doesn't do the same thing to your tummy. So suddenly, ah. because there, there's so much going on in the body, we have a, a gut brain access, we have a gut skin access, and all that links to the fact that it depends how you're eating, when you're eating, the state you're eating, all of those things have an impact. So to totally what you're saying, Yasmin, is your intolerance has changed. And actually, this is where I would say it's really important to not necessarily doctor Google everything, because this is when you actually need to speak to a specialist, because what mm. someone like I would do, a dietitian or a nutritionist, is work with you in terms of elimination diets and not just take things out you're intolerant to but start take them out while maybe your gut needs to heal but start reintroducing them because it's really important to reintroduce foods back in so that again you're not limiting your diet with perhaps some of your favorite foods or even just not limiting your diet in terms of variety particularly when you're already a vegan and that already that's restrictive in some in some aspects you know so I would definitely say, yes, intolerances change with time, um, with seasons of life, with stress levels, with lifestyles. Um, and that's definitely something that I would advocate all of us and people who are listening to work with a dietitian or a nutritionist on. Okay. Oh, that's so funny, actually, because I'm allergic to, well, I think I'm allergic to Prosecco. Prosecco? I can drink Prosecco when I'm like when I'm in Italy it's fine in London I just can't do it <laughs> what, type of, what type of reaction do you get like do you get yeah, vision right. and can't walk uh, straight <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it no it affects my asthma and my eczema as well actually but that's all connected that might be the sulfites so this might be the preservative in the Prosecco that is causing uh. that because there's a link as well between preservatives particularly sulfites so for example even in dried fruit if that has sulfites or sulfates that might cause asthma etc etc Hmm. Oh, there you go. Really interestingly, also, obviously, Linnea, you changed to be a nutritionist and have a healthier lifestyle. Obviously, Jasmine, being of, you know, Caribbean heritage, you just said you grew up with all these incredible, incredible foods. When you decided to change your diet, how was that received by your community? Was your kind of like, you know, Caribbean heritage, your family were just like, what's, uh, what's going on? So my mum is really, she's very open and, and obviously your mum's just want the best for you. And I had just said to her, look, I'm, I'm doing this because I just feel like I'm, I've lost control of my body. And she's mm -hmm. been so supportive and she definitely tries, bless her. Like even when I go and visit, she's like, right, let me know what you want and, and how's it going to be? And oh. so she, she was, she was so supportive of me. I think because she's been there she's bandaged up my arms and you know I've been 
crying on the phone to her just like, I just can't do with it no more and so I think my decision to go vegan you know was something that she completely supported because of my reason my dad's side of the family had to make it an announcement <laughs> because, okay, can everyone sit down I've got something to tell you um, <laughs> and there, I mean, it, it probably just was a bit, I was a bit disappointed actually that they weren't a bit more like, oh, okay. They were like, all right, cool. But they, 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 it, it's taken time because they might go, oh, um, I've cooked some fish. You can have fish, can't you? And I'm like, no, no, no. So it's difficult when I go round there because they there's always meat it's either meat or fish they're probably a little more fish than anything and then the biggest challenge for me was going to Jamaica in the the place where my family's from although there is a lot of options out there a lot of ital food um can you resist the look of the lobster One of my favourite things to do out in Jamaica was to eat from the vans that come round because mm. for me they're they're the, the best cooked food street food in any sense of the word wherever yeah. you go I feel like yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so much better it's authentic I want to eat from someone's kitchen mm. it's yeah. A, yeah. the same as what you were saying before with your family my granny would cook for three hundred people in a small house and people would come in and out throughout the whole weekend so for me food and eating food is is to do with my community so when I can't really be a part of that it's emotionally quite difficult oh, and yeah. and I've been definitely pushed to parts where I think I'm just going to eat it because I don't want to be left out mm-hmm. yeah and I went out to Jamaica and I was vegan at the time and I just felt like I wasn't getting the best experience for me and in my home country yeah. and I was like I I, I couldn't eat the meat, but I damn sure did have the shellfish. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, because it was it was a part of the experience. Yes, it was glorious and lovely. And I just thought, I, I I need to soak this all in here. I don't want to ever think like, oh, what if, or feel like I'd missed out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that side of things, it's difficult, but I, I have a, a hugely supportive family and whether they get it or not, they'll, they'll definitely get me some heck sausages. and Lilia what about um you you talked about your mum's restaurant and how the food was fried and you've essentially gone against that yeah well actually so my mum we had she had the takeaway but my dad was always extremely health conscious so um I think I kind of had that balance um, but I inherently love, love, do love a bit of fried food, um, but actually probably like healthier food more. Um, but I think what's interesting about in general, what tends to happen when you move from a traditional diet to a Western diet is where there's a link with skin. Because a traditional diet, and if I think of Zambia, I always, whenever, when I lived in London, because I'm in Milan at the moment, finishing off my PhD, and it's, vegetables here are slightly different. I used to always say in London, oh, I miss the really leafy vegetables. Because in Zambia, you get like proper, um, like maybe like the closest I can think of in terms of um, uh, Western vegetables is like chicoria or chicory. So remember I talked about that gut skin access. So the fact mm-hmm. that, your the bacteria in your gut that you have have an impact on how good your skin is mm. and that's because they thrive on the fiber that is found in a lot of plant-based foods 
So actually eating a variety of plant-based foods that are different colors with antioxidants, which is in what traditional diets commonly are, um, rich in is, you know, even if you think of rice and peas, that's again, some really, uh, you know, rich, good plant-based foods that then feed your bacteria, which then has a positive impact on your skin as well. That's so interesting. In fact, we were talking about, so I haven't eaten traditional Nigerian food apart from jollof rice and maybe a bit of plantain for like four years. I don't eat meat. Um, I'm pescatarian, but I don't like to say pescatarian because it sounds really pretentious. I just don't eat meat. But I haven't eaten like, you know, pounded yams, the soups, that kind of food, because I literally, I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat for like 10, 11 years. But my mum, because I rarely go home, like the thought of her cooking something, especially for me, is just like, I'm not about to request that from her but I wonder whether my eczema is related to the fact that there is so much less of that in my diet and actually well I'm a big advocate of staying traditional you know I do sports work as well and I'm always just like if I get a athlete from Africa footballer from Africa who's moved over to the UK I'm just like dude eat what eat what you used to eat because your gut bacteria thrive more on your traditional food on your traditional diet so I mean there's a big thing in the nutrition world which is about eating 30 different types of plant-based foods a week. So we all know about five a day. Wow. That's kind of like 1990 something. Now the trendy thing is, is how many plant different plant-based foods are you eating every week? Are you eating about 30? So that's like five different plant-based foods every day, different colors. So don't just buy apples, 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 or bananas, bananas, bananas. Like mix it up, buy seasonal food, different stuff. Every week, buy new vegetables, buy a new grain, buy a new different type of bean. Your body's going to thrive on that variety. And the more you have that, that has a positive impact on your gut bacteria, which then helps things like your eczema or um, psoriasis. So totally. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. I, I've, I've become way more experimental because like like you're saying, I, being vegan, limited the amount that I ate my West Indian, Caribbean, Jamaican food. And then I thought, no, just because I'm vegan does not mean that I can't eat that. So I just try to find ways Brilliant. and replacements, you know, jackfruit is my absolute saviour. Good. Yeah, I, I, I miss, oddly enough, it's just something that I never really yet before but fried chicken I miss I missed it so much you know if anyone was eating a chicken wing I'd just literally be drooling over them just like smelling the fumes <laughs> mm. and so when if I want some fried chicken I use jackfruit my curry goat I use jackfruit I just season yeah. it the right way it's just I just my my kitchen is now a science lab Good. no I can say no I can say I love science because science is cooking for me <laughs> yeah during lockdown I've been supporting local businesses and there's a a fruit and veg business it's black coned it's called vital pantry and they have and i just got a delivery actually earlier on and i've honestly never tasted mangoes pineapple mangosteens dragon fruit key limes like it on like they and they've been imported in in an ethical way and it's way cheaper Uh, and honestly like it's just you know you just see a fruit you're like oh that's the color it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. yeah and and 
it's just made me be so much more experimental. Like I'm like, okay, what can I do with a custard apple? What can I do with? Good, you're a good oh. vegan. Yes, thank you. <laughs> because I see so many vegans who literally uh, just eat the same thing, and I almost eat like a um, like a bland diet in terms of it's just everything is white. It's like white bread, a white pasta. Um, that type of stuff and and actually it's not about that it's actually about eating the variety and trying all these different foods you're using as an opportunity to bring in new foods into your diet yeah absolutely I love it I just love eating yeah the only other (laughs) Um, thing um, I would I was add Yasmin is that you might omega-3 in terms of nutrition is something that's very very important in terms of inflammation because we've been talking a lot about kind of um, eczema and um, psoriasis so omega-3 typically would come from oily fish so things like your salmon your sardines your pilchards mackerel Um, but and and that basically prevents inflammation so if you're still eating fish you can still look at having oily fish at least two or three times a week um, but for you, because you're not having oily fish, you need to look at alternative sources, which would be nuts. So you said you like nuts. So walnuts being probably the king of omega-3 and chia seeds actually uh, being really, really good. But the in, the interesting thing is, is when you look, again, biochemistry, um, <laughs> me and my science, and when you look at actually the, 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 the chains of omega-3 that are absorbed by the body to be used, the one that comes from fish is really easily used. It's called EPA and DHA. And the ones that come from plants has to have two carbon atoms added on to be functionally able to be used. And that oh, conversion wow. process from your vegan sources of omega-3 to what the body uses is not that efficient. So this is why, again, I'm shouting out variety. So it can't just be from walnuts. It has to be from seaweed, uh, uh, chia seeds, walnuts, and flax seeds type of thing to make sure that you're right. getting that variety. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yasmin, you mentioned that you've been playing around with jackfruit. You know, with the rise of veganism, a lot of our traditional foods, so like plantain from the Caribbean, jackfruit, has been co-opted by the West. Like I was in a deli this afternoon and I saw a little bowl of okra, or okra as they call it in the West, for three pounds, which is mental. And we all know about the plantain shortage that happened at the beginning of lockdown because everyone was cooking more. I mean, I don't even eat plantain, but our WhatsApp group, Baz, was kicking off. Like people were outraged. Yeah, Um, you don't like it. (laughs) Uh-oh. I, d- I don't, yeah. You don't like it? I don't like it. Fine. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Fried, boiled, baked, whatever. I'm not, it's too sweet. I'm not into the sweetness. Right. I'm a savoury girl. I think it's great because it's just, it's widening the menu, but uh, I hope it doesn't get watered down and forgotten. You know, a lot of people probably don't know where jackfruit originates from, but they know it's a great alternative for me. I love the fact that it's variety and people are eating more plants. I can't fault that because as, as a nutritionist, I, you know, if you eat more plants and you're definitely going to be healthier. Where I think it could go wrong or is going wrong is when entire food systems are affected. So, for example, mm-hmm. if you look at quinoa, suddenly quinoa in the last couple of years has been something else that, you know, everybody wants to eat more of. Um, because they think it's healthy. But the people in Peru, where quinoa is originally from, don't have enough quinoa for their own traditional diets because they're all growing Mm. it to export. So I feel Mm. that um, trends in the West, 
sometimes have a negative effect in countries where our parents or we're from. And I feel that when it has a negative effect on that food system, then I think that I would advocate that people change their choices to make them better ethically. So again, it could be the, for example, this whole avocado war thing. It's, um, Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's all of that. So I'd probably say, I, I would also advocate that you try and eat a variety of foods basing it a lot on what you find locally and then adding in some tropical exotic foods to widen your diet out as well if that makes sense and again variety because if you're eating the variety you're not always going to be relying on okra you're not always going to be relying on the trendy thing but you're going to be getting a variety of everything yeah 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 absolutely yeah I was quite lucky with the planting so- shortage, I will say. <laughs> Are you growing your own? You should start growing your own. You've got your own dealer. <laughs> I've got my own. Well, in West London, any corner shop is selling it, to be honest. You know, I'm on like the route of carnival, so it'd be a, a whole shame if there wasn't. But three for a pound is great, in my opinion. Black people and South Asian people, whether it's Korean, Japanese, Chinese, um, and around those regions, always get praised for having incredible, beautiful skin. That's the first thing people say. Oh my God, your skin's so great. I was just interested to know, obviously, Linnea probably can answer this, is, is this related to solely genetics? And then it goes into nutrition, which is why it's helped Yaz. And then, you know, onwards, does it start with genetics or it, not? Well, it does start with genetics and it starts with genetics just because if you look at the structure of skin, the darker your skin, the larger the pockets of skin cells and that has a positive effect. And then when the skin cells are then packed with more melanin, which is the pigment that makes you darker, that also protects you from sun damage, which has a positive impact in terms of of aging because we know that it is the sun damage that causes the wrinkles. So whilst Uh, people of color might not necessarily get wrinkles or get wrinkles slower as they age, they'll still get other signs of aging. For example, black skin might be more prone to age spots or dark patches of skin rather than wrinkles per se. So yes, there is definitely a genetic element to it. But then I think we can't escape from the fact that we have those extrinsic factors like um, lifestyle factors, like stress and like nutrition that play a massive role as well. So basically, um, just being black does really help us. Um, it is. It is. It's not a myth. I've always wondered if it's a myth. I mean, most of the black and brown people I know have great skin, but... Not a myth. I think that's why I actually struggle, because um, with my dad's side of the family, everyone is black. Everyone has black parents. I'm one that probably the one, if not the only one of my cousins, I, one of my... <laughs> My uncle has 19 children and 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 so I have like over 70 cousins because my dad is actually one of seven. So wow. I mean they, they don't all have nine. Yeah, I don't I don't they don't all have 19 children, but they definitely don't just have one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and no one from you know, my close cousins, no one ever suffered with acne. And I was so embarrassed and so confused that I was like, I, don't, I, I just, that no one in my family has had acne. My mum actually suffered when she was younger. My dad had, when he grows a beard, gets quite irritant skin. Yeah. But my family would, my dad's side of the family, they're just like, 
just didn't know how to deal with me and my acne if I'd asked them like you know what can I do and they were like it's just clueless because they they had never suffered never felt like oh god that I'm the only person in this family that's got eczema and now acne and um yeah it was I I still now thankfully uh, my skin is is wonderful and I'm I'm very happy with it I won't touch it there um (laughs) but I, I really struggled with trying to combat it and what did you when it comes to your acne what is the biggest change in your diet except obviously you went vegan but was there anything that you specifically took out or specifically put in that you were like whoa game changer uh well I actually still had the acne when I was vegan and I didn't I don't know if it was um you know just had to take time but I think what what I believe the trigger was I was off and on the contraceptive pill for a lot of my life Mm. um and so when I decided that I'd had enough of taking any form of contraception, my, I think my body and my skin probably just reacted to all, you know, the, the hormone imbalance. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you can tell me exactly what it was. But um, I, I just all of a sudden was like, my skin just went, ah, I've got all this that I've been holding in. And, and it just all came out. And I, I struggled for about two years. Wow. It was constant. It would get better. It would get worse, it would get better and it would get worse. As soon as I started sleeping better, drinking way more water, I've, I've got, got into a really healthy skincare routine, which I just kind of stick to. And I, I really swear by Aztec Healing Clay Mask. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's all natural. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's, it's labeled yeah. as the world's most natural, you know, all that stuff, but it is, it is fantastic. And I mix that with apple cider vinegar a little bit and put it on my face and it really helps. But um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it's been hard. It's been a journey. So I don't know specifically what it was. What it was. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think Yasmin, good point, because there's lots of people who think that um, just because they cut out sugar, just because they cut out dairy, um, just because they don't have chocolate anymore, suddenly their acne is going to be better. And actually, when you look at the evidence uh, for the majority of people, that doesn't have an effect for a small group of people. It does. Um, but again, it's about all the other things that you said, like you were hydrating more, you started eating more, um, you know, colorful fruit and vegetables, you perhaps were choosing what we call lower glycemic index carbohydrates, so carbohydrates that were slower release into your blood system. That does have an, an, a, a positive role, but it's not necessarily about removing those other foods and thinking it's automatically going to make it better because even vegans have bad skin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. I can definitely vouch for that as one of them. And finally, Linnea, I mean, you've kind of said this earlier that, you know, we should be sticking to our traditional diets. Maybe there's something more specific that you might want to say. What should we be eating to help people get clear, glowing skin, if anything? Yeah, the first thing I would say, which I haven't talked about, is the need to hydrate. So you, you are, your body is more water than anything else. And hydration, just uh, if you're not, not hydrated, then that's going to result in flaky skin, dry skin. So it's important that you hydrate. And then I would probably say the next thing is not necessarily about specific foods. I would look more at an eating pattern. 
and I'll be saying a traditional eating pattern, but what does that mean? I'll probably say any eating pattern that is based on a lot of fruit and vegetables, fruit and vegetables that are lots of different colors, and it's based on whole foods. So again, we're looking at, say, um, your fish or your beans, et cetera, et cetera. So rather than processed food per se, but it goes beyond that. I mean, nutrition, good diet works in conjunction with you managing your stress and um, you sleeping. So it all kind of fits in together. So I think you absolutely eat a fundamentally traditional Zambian, Indian diet, whatever it is, but make sure that the other lifestyle factors also fall into place as well. And where do um, crisps come in? Crisps. Oh, <laughs> oh no, don't. Love it. I, I can't Love it. buy them. I can't buy them. I'll finish the whole pack. My diet is 90% crisps. Crisps do not fall into a traditional, good traditional diet. Oh, but, that's all I to say. but you know, but the, oh. but the thing is, is remember, this is the other thing that I think is, is that um, food is about enjoyment. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, both my cultures, food is integral to any celebration. Mm. Um, and so if you are very restrictive with your diet and you start taking away foods that maybe you really enjoy and that becomes stressful, you're too stressy about foods that you can eat. And when you, when you eat a food that you should think you shouldn't eat you get too stressed about it that's negative because stress also mm. causes you to have worse skin because again it affects your yeah. hormones so uh-huh. it goes it's all about moderation and somehow as a nutritionist or dietitian I've got to find out how to make eating in moderation and a healthy balanced diet sexy because that's ultimately what yeah. it's about absolutely yeah. that's true, that's true. okay so one final question we have for both of you that we like to ask our guests which usually does catch them off guard, um, but we're going to ask one more. Um, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start, I think I'll start with Lydia, because I feel like Yaz is a professional media person, so might be, <laughs> might be like, when did you both first realize you were beautiful? Ooh. Oh mm. my goodness. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Ah, wow. Oh. Wow. Goodness, that's a very hard question. Okay, when did I realize? Well, I'll can I, can I tell a story around this or do yes. I have to be like one sentence? So I am um, born and bred in Zambia, but I went to an English boarding school. And so obviously everyone around me was was white. And I remember one of the guys in my class, his mum and dad lived very close to us. And we were swimming in one of the lakes in Zambia. And he asked his mum, who do you think is the prettiest girl at school? And I was one of the few girls at school of colour. And his mum, and I was expecting his mum to kind of say one of the other girls that were kind of Princess Barbie-like in all, you know, in all they grew Because actually, as a kid, I, I couldn't look, no one could look after my hair at an English boarding school that I actually had shave, a shaved head. So I, kind oh of, I grew up like tomboy with very short hair. So I wasn't very girly. I remember that day, she was just like, by far it's linear. And I remember thinking, I've never, I never would have thought of myself necessarily as beautiful. But those words have always stuck, uh, that Auntie Rachel is her name, said, have always stuck in my mind. So maybe I I started being, uh, probably eight, nine. That's, oh, that's a lovely really nice. Yeah. So yeah. And it's because I suppose everyone around me, what you what I perceived as maybe beautiful with long hair and different, you know, was, was very different for me. But actually she saw such beauty within myself. So oh. yeah. Oh that's a lovely sound. So <laughs> that's that's Rachel, look at that. Oh, <laughs> I was similar. I, I was 
brought up in a place called Edgeloop and I was the, the only person of colour that went to all my schools and I hadn't actually realised it until I moved to London and I was 22. No, actually, I was probably older than that, 20, 24. Uh, I realised I didn't have any black friends until moving to London because I was realising that my social experiences were different. Uh, you know, the, the people that were black around me were my family, so I never really felt like I, for what of a better word, lacked, you know, influence or, you know, anything like that. My mum has always always made me feel like I was a beautiful child even when I look back at pictures I'm like I was definitely an ugly duckling but I think <laughs> so I, I you know I never I never sort of lacked that as a child but I think I realized that maybe I didn't consider myself as beautiful because I didn't really look at myself and was like oh my god you're gorgeous today until probably just recently but I think that's more of a spiritual thing for me. You know, my UT came through sort of um, figuring out who I am now as I'm getting into what, you know, I am almost 30, but I just feel like I'm edging in my adult era and um, I'm spiritually in tune with myself, which I think has made me feel beautiful beyond sort of um, my image. So yeah, I think probably within the last two years or so that I just feel very at peace with myself. So when I do look in the mirror, I just, you know, I feel, I feel happy. So yeah, I think that, that's mine. One last question. Where can our listeners find you on the internet? So it's just Yasmin Evans and, you know, I present a show on One Extra and you can follow me on social media and, I'm probably getting up to, you know, I don't know, exercising in my living room and cooking in my kitchen. Eating plantain. Eating <laughs> plantain, yeah. <laughs> and for me, it would be, I've got a website, which is my name. So it's um, www.lineapatel.com. And then Instagram would be at Nutrition, And that's the same on Facebook. And I think Twitter might be just my name. That was great. Yeah lots of information linear like obviously about to be a phd holder she knows her stuff i feel like i learned loads i know and she said Baz, she said that i can eat crisps <laughs> i mean she didn't say you can only eat crisps she definitely said you should have a varied diet mm, she said that um we should eat what makes us happy oh, because say. stress can also affect your skin no 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 you're not you're not getting through it like that but fine whatever take your crisp diet I also (laughs) loved in this episode how Yasmin pretty much treated this as like um, a consultation (laughs) I know we were totally third wheeling her private one-to-one consultation with Linnea yeah we actually were I was like this is very handy for Yasmin <laughs> but I actually also love hearing just their stories and their relationships with food, especially yeah, as just hearing, you know, how being, you know, of dual heritage, how that kind of goes through. And obviously, her love for plantain or plantain, for anyone's going to get annoyed of which way you say it, she is a big advocate of that plant. She really. Yeah, she is. Just... I thought she was going to punch me through the screen, actually, to be honest, when I said I didn't like it. Yeah, literally, <laughs> she was like, I'm coming for you. <laughs> just hold me back <laughs> but it was a lovely episode and I actually personally even though it was a slight uh, one-to-one consultation I feel like I took a lot away from it for myself personally yeah me too whenever I get to um trying to diversify my diet you're not gonna do that are you
<laughs> I mean, they're just so good. Oh, God. Right, we've got to work on this. If you enjoyed listening and want to chat more, definitely follow Linnea and Yasmin on Instagram. Yeah, sure. Follow at Unpretty Podcast. If you also took away from this conversation that you can be eating crisps and oh, you it. think Basma is wrong, <laughs> please just drop it in the comments. <laughs> You're so wrong. <laughs> Goodness sake. Okay, yeah, sure. If you think a crisp diet is the best diet, please let me know. I'm not, also, I'm a crisp eater. I'm a big fan. It's just not my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like someone we know who's in the chat. I don't have crisps for breakfast unless I'm hungover. Sure, sure. Lunch, <laughs> 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 dinner. <laughs> Maybe brunch. And all the facts in between. Well, thanks for joining, guys, and thanks for listening. Until next time. Until next time. You have been listening to the Unpretty Podcast, hosted by me, Chi Euphodiama. And me, Basma Khalifa. Not forgetting our producers. Shout out to ASOLA for booking our amazing guests. And Katie Bissett for managing this whole thing. Special thanks to Xenia Geller for our artwork and Enoch Colo for our soundtrack. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please make sure you subscribe, rate us, and make sure you tell all your friends. And follow us on at Unpretty Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. Until next time.